Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to the fourth annual Vegas Hockey Podcast Playoff Preview. We, uh, we're going to go through the remaining six. If you haven't heard what we said about the Vegas Golden Knight Shark Series and the Toronto Maple Leafs Boston Bruins Series, listen to our episode with Chris Wassel on from Saturday. We broke those two series down pretty in depth. So if you want to hear that, uh, make sure you check out the Chris Wassel episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're going to go through the other six real quick today just to get on record. Uh, we're we're going to go through, break them down, pick each each series. We'll give out the Vegas odds, and it's going to be a, a short but sweet playoff version, and we'll chat a little bit about the, the ping pong balls tonight. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, hockey fans, the best sporting event in the world is about to get underway tomorrow night, and I'm talking about, of course, the Stanley Cup playoffs. No no other trophy is harder to win, and, and no other sport brings this intensity of action as the Stanley Cup playoffs do. That's why mo- a lot of us love the sport is because this time of year, um, things get things get deep, things get dirty, things get get very intense. And this is the brand of hockey that we all love. So like I was saying earlier, we already talked about the VGK Shark Series and Toronto-Boston Series in our Saturday episode. Just a quick recap. The, we both got VGK. Chris thinks it'll be a little tougher than I do. And both of us are on Boston. Just uh, real quick, I got all the updated odds for the series in the first round. The, the books copped out on the Sharks-Vegas Series. They made both teams minus 110 favorites which I hate when they do that, pick a side, put a number out. And if it's minus 110 plus 105, whatever it is, uh, adjust the line later. But at least at least grow a pair and, and pick a side. So I hate it when they do that. Kind of the same situation in the Blues-Jets series. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Boston Bruins, minus 165 against Toronto. I'm surprised that that number is high. If you're a believer in the Toronto Maple Leafs, you can get a real good price on Toronto plus 145. I'm surprised that the Bruins number came out as high as it did, but a lot of people are thinking that Boston just too deep defensively and just enough veteran goal to carry that series. So I thought we would start out by going up into Tampa Bay and getting this one out of the way. Tampa Bay Lightning, a minus 380 favorite against Columbus. And despite all their moves and they're all in, they're all in poker hand from Yarmo Kekalainen at the trade deadline. Blue Jackets, a hefty plus 300 kicking this series off. Um, Chris, why don't you throw out what your thoughts are? The one thing maybe intangible with Columbus is they know that they were up in the first round last season and maybe, maybe they're, they come out a little bit, you know, chip on your shoulder, something to prove and, and get a game early in the series and, and get back home and, and ride something. But uh, I, I don't see that happening. Chris, why don't you tell me what you think real quick and, and we'll cross this one off the list. Say a note before we sign off about the Panthers and Joel Quinville, but yes, okay. sir. so real quick. So Tampa basically led the world in everything this year, yep. 120 points by far the number one offense, almost four goals a game, uh, number one power play, number one PK unit, Seventh fewest goals allowed. Um, you know the uh, Columbus is just not deep enough to handle Tampa Bay. Few teams leading are. scorer and 
Yeah, and Bobrovsky has just been porous, to be kind, in the postseason career, 5-14 and 14 with a 3-4-9 goals against uh, an 8-9-1 save percentage. Um, I'll give Columbus a game. I'll say Tampa in five. I'm going to say Tampa in five, too. And I like last year when they were going down the stretch, we had Dan Harrison on uh, Tampa Bay Lightning Insider, and he talked about Vasilevsky uh, publicly admitting that he was tired and worn down from being used too much this season. And if if you look at it, I believe he's only played 59 games this year. So Coach Cooper's done a much better job of managing his his minutes this year and not wearing him down. I'm double-checking that number in my notes real quick. 53 games played, even better yet. Um, so I, I, Vasileski maybe – Part of the problem was wearing down in that Washington Capital Series last year. I know they're going to have a bad taste in their mouth. They've proven it all year long that they've come out um, with something to prove and never let off the gas, tying the record for most regular season wins with uh, the epic Detroit Red Wings squad. They've managed Vasilevsky well. They're, They're deeper on offense. They're more dynamic on defense. And with a very fresh Vasilevsky with uh, a, really a very light workload, um, uh, Tampa in five. And, you know, I, I will say this. If somehow the unexpected happens and injuries come into play at this time of year, um, whatever the case may be, if Columbus does get past Tampa Bay, then Kekalainen's off. Everyone knows that I've been very critical of of their trade deadline and their all-in approach here. If they get past Tampa, then everybody in Columbus gets a pass. I don't care if they get swept in the second round. If they get somehow get past Tampa Bay, then kudos to Kekalainen. They did win all in. They killed the dragon and, what you know, come the off season, whatever happens, happens, uh, fine and dandy. But I'm, I'm with you on this one. I'm going Tampa Bay in five, and I'm not going to lay that heavy of a price and go down to the books and, and bet $380 to win a hundred. Which is for, for those of you that don't really follow the sports book angle of things, um, if I say Tampa Bay is a minus 380. In the series, that means if you go to the window, you have to put down $380, and you only get $100 back. You get your 380 back, but your net profit is $100. Where if I say a team like Columbus is plus 300, that means if you go down to the window with $100, you get your 100 back plus 300. So your your $100 would net you 300, and you'd get your 100 back. So I, I, I'm not going to put 380 down to win $100, but I, I think it would be a safe bet if somebody wanted to go to the window and, and take lightning. So, I, I mean, look, Tampa Bay has been on a mission all year and, and I, uh, Columbus did everything they could at the deadline, but every asset facet of the game, even where Columbus is strong, Tampa Bay is stronger goaltending. They're stronger defense. Like I said, they have more, more weapons on defense, more more stay-at-home, rigid, uh, solid defensemen, puck-moving defensemen, you name it, deeper scoring, two-way play, you name it, uh, Tampa Bay and five, and let's move on. 
Chris, are you there? You kind of cut out. Yeah, I'm here. I'm, I, you said uh, I was just wondering what, what's the next, what series we're yeah. talking about now. Okay, well, let's go over to the West because I think there's a more interest. The, the West, at least at least on paper, I think the the matchups are a little tougher in the West. And let's start with the the Central Division champs and work our way back from there. Nashville versus Dallas. Uh, the Predators minus 185, which is a, a reasonable price, I think, for that series if you're a Nashville fan. And if you like Dallas, you can pick up the Stars plus 160. Um, what do you think of that series? Well, you know what's interesting about Dallas is from uh, the last couple of years, you think of Dallas and, you you know, they have Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan and they signed Rangeloff a couple of years ago and they have Klingberg, who's uh, – an all, a pretty awesome offensive defense. But the first thing that comes to mind is offense. But interesting right. to note, Dallas this year uh, was, this is hard to believe, they have the worst offense in terms of goals per game of any of the playoff teams. In fact, they finished 29th in the league. I mean, you think of how much, and we'll get to them later on, it, it was a struggle for the Islanders to score this year. The Islanders scored at a much higher rate than the Dallas Stars. And they don't have a Sagan or a Ben or a Rajnall. That's surprising. So That's they, surprising. So, so, yeah. So if those guys don't score, they don't they don't score. Is is the bottom is the bottom line. They but well, the reason Dallas had uh, a solid year is and made the playoffs is because like the Islanders, they kept the puck out of the net. They were second in the league in goals against, and obviously they have Ben Bishop rolling going into the playoffs. Look, I think Nashville's just though. You know, you want to say if Ben Bishop can be healthy for this whole series, you want to give an edge and goal to Dallas over Nashville. I totally get that. I'm a big Ben Bishop fan. The only problem with Ben Bishop is because of his size and and uh, his really his body and all all the years of playing, he's injury prone. But um, they have a good number two as well. But you know, Nashville's got a killer blue line. They have depth. Uh, they run four lines. They should get enough scoring in the series. They're tough at home. Um, you know, I, I expect this to be a competitive series because anyone, if you follow the Predators this year, they were a little bit more up and down than you would like, especially given to the depth of their roster. Um, they they wound up squeaking out the division because Winnipeg kind of stumbled a couple of times uh, down the stretch, uh, um, losing some points, uh, one costly uh, regulation loss to the Islanders of all people, uh, but about ten days ago in the season, I think I'm out of question the division. But um, anywho, uh, given all that, I like Nashville. I'm going to say Nashville in six. That, that's you know what that's goes against the grain of what a lot of people's perception of this series is. Dallas's defense having to play a huge role and, and Ben Bishop in goal. Um, interesting numbers you threw out there. What I think the, one of the more unsung trades at the trade deadline was Brian Boyle going to Nashville and giving them, <coughs> excuse me, another big body at center. Um, he has good, <coughs> excuse me, good scoring, good hands. He's a, I believe two time 30 goal scorer in the league in addition to his two-way play. Um, and, and he's scored some big goals for them down the stretch. Obviously, Wayne Simmons does what Wayne Simmons does. And that's more of a a playoff acquisition than uh, 
you know, a regular season acquisition, if you will, that his style of play will, will lend itself more to success in the playoffs than it does in the regular season. And don't forget Wayne Simmons is playing for a contract now um, going into the off season. So he's, he is going to be looking to have a, a big impact in the playoffs. And, and, and look, the, Nashville was, was, I don't want to say terrible, but less than what you would expect on the power play. And Simmons is definitely going to bring more to their power play here in the playoffs. I agree with you. I, I do like Ben Bishop a lot. I was hoping he would be the Knights' Mark Andre Fleury at the deadline. Um, uh, although that's worked out pretty good for the Golden Knights. Um, you say six. I think if if Dallas is healthy and they can clog things up, and and like you said, they were defensive oriented team this year. Are they getting Zuccarello? Are they getting Zuccarello back? Uh, last the, I heard, the, yes, he was practicing with the team. And, yeah, and they are. Dallas that's... is getting getting him back. Um, I li- like his play. He's a, gr- a gritty, feisty, feisty spark plug. Uh, yeah, yeah, go he, back. He can score. He can, cr- he, he can score. He'll he'll put twenty goals on you in a season. He's kind of uh, Steve Avery light, if you remember Steve Avery. He, 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 not oh, not as not. That's an insult to <laughs> I, I I don't mean it in I don't mean it in that sense. Later in the season, when he was you know antics, but earlier in his career, right. he's just the kind of player that would get under your skin. Um, he'd go to the line but not cross the line when he started out, and and Ben Zuccarello has more touch offensively. But he's he's that kind of a guy that that can draw penalties and, and get Nashville on that power or Dallas on the power play, so that that is big if he does go in the series. But I, I still think Nashville has just enough to to get by him. I'm gonna say that series goes seven games though. I think like you said, if Bishop is healthy all the way through, that that the the uh, Dallas can steal a game on the road or two and take care of home ice and make it interesting. But ultimately. Um, I think Nashville cashes the ticket in this series. So moving and, oh, by on. By the way, uh, yeah. One last point: Herskinen is the. He, I mean, he already is, but he's going to be a stud. Yeah, Heiskinen. He, he, he was the. He's the reason I think that Eric Carlson didn't play the rest of the season with the Dallas Stars is because yep. the Stars Stars refused. See why to, they refused to give him up. Absolutely, especially with Carlson being injured as much as he has been this season, um, you might as well just stick with the young guy and, and ride it out. So, uh, if he, you know the world's going to see him, a lot of people don't pay attention to Dallas Stars hockey, but the, the he's going to introduce himself to the world in Nashville, I believe. I think he's probably going to have a pretty good playoffs. Tough to say with young defensemen, but um, I think he's going to have an impact in the series. But I still think Nashville has a, a little bit. Oh. A little bit too much. Go ahead. Well, and last throw out, I about an hour ago or so, I spoke to a good friend of the show, Dan Harrigan, who will be joining us later on and before we sign off for the year. And um, his upset for the first round is the Dallas Stars. So that's his upset team for round one. He likes Dallas okay. over Nashville. So I'll just throw that out there. Well, let's go back over to the Eastern Conference, and we'll look at the Washington Capitals versus Carolina Hurricanes series. Uh, Capitals are a minus 145, and the Hurricanes are plus 145. So uh, straight up dime line there. It's uh, defending Stanley Cup champions. 
Alexander Ovechkin, depth of scoring. Braden Holpe seems to be coming back into form, coming down the stretch. He's played some real good hockey the last two or three weeks. Um, I th- I think you know kudos to the Storm Surge and and the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, and I got to give a shout out to to my boy Stick Justin Williams had gone back to Carolina and really reignited the fan base and turned that team's fortunes around. I know there's a lot of other players and things involved, but when you go back and you're made the captain and and you know, the management's behind what you're doing. They added some pieces, made some changes, and they're back in the playoffs. So kudos to Justin Williams and the Carolina Hurricanes. Great revival season there in Carolina. But the bunch of jerks campaign, thank you, Don Cherry, uh, you know, ignited the fan base, and that's all that really matters. If the fans and the team are having a good time, good for them. Um but I think they're going to run into the defending champions the first down. This is probably going to be, and you know, Sebastian Ajo, 30 goal scorer. He's slowed down a lot in the last six weeks of the season. He's a young player. I don't know if uh, the, the legs were going on him and there was a fatigue factor or not, but you know, he, a lot of his scoring and, and, and goal scoring came earlier on in the season and he kind of cooled off down the stretch. <coughs> um, I, I got to say, uh, defending champs in five uh, in this series, and and I think I think that's a pretty good price too. If you're backing the Washington Capitals and you want to go down and get 145 at the window, I think that's a pretty reasonable price for what I think is going to be most likely a one-sided series. I mean, when you go back and you look, like Tampa Bay's minus 380, and if if the defending champs are only minus 145 there against the second wild card team, don't get me wrong, current Hurricanes are a feisty bunch, but I, I just think the defending champs come out uh, to defend their title, and they get on top of them early there in games one and two, and, and I think it might be too much for, for a young Carolina squad to overcome. So I'm I'm saying Washington and five, sir. Well, first off, kudos to another friend of the show, Mark Shry, because if you remember, sir, in our Metro preview show back in September. Sebastian uh, Ajo is a stud. Yeah, he, his exact he, words. <laughs> who covers the, he, he covers the Blue Jackets for the hockey writers, and he said the Carolina Hurricanes will make the playoffs this year. So kudos for him yep. being a little Nostradamus there. Hey, look, Carolina's key to their success has been keeping the puck out of the net. Um, uh, you know, kind of middle of the pack in terms of scoring. Uh, they they have a very young team. Um, it, it, you know, but they keep the puck out of the net. He's in the league and goals allowed, which is which is interesting because most people would point to going into the season their biggest weakness being the goaltending. And while they're not household names, Morazic and McKenney, as I butcher his name, uh, had both had really good uh, good years. Uh, Morazic, in particular, two point three nine goals against with with a solid nine one four save percentage. So, look, a big key for me is. Uh, you know, Washington, who had the fifth-best offense, uh, obviously they're the Stanley Cup champs going against a young team. Uh, it's been a great stepping stone year for Carolina. If Carolina is going to make this a long series, and, and let's say let's get it to a game seven and then anything can happen, where they need to uh, uh, take advantage of the Capitals' weaknesses is the Capitals' PK unit, ranked 24th this year. So, 
they got to take advantage of that uh, in terms of when they get power play opportunities. I think this is going to be a little bit more difficult series than you than you think, sir. But I still think the Capitals will get through it, and I'm going to say Washington in six. Capitals in six. Okay, now there's two two series left in the West, and and one series left in the East, and we'll save that. But I think that the two series in the West might be the besides the Golden Knights, obviously. Um, the the two that we have left in the West might be two of the most interesting series that we have on the docket here in the first round. Um, let me go to Winnipeg versus St. Louis. Now, the books have the Jets at minus 105, but the Blues an even bigger favorite at minus 115. So in, an interesting line there. Again, they don't have uh, any plus money in that series, which I, I really dislike. If the, if they think the, the book right now thinks the Blues are going to win the series. Um, I, when you look at this, I think Winnipeg, Morrissey coming back, if he's, if he's going to be healthy, that's a big, a big he, part he of is. that. He, the he is the going to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that's a big part of the series for the Jets. I think... In order to get out of out of their zone, he's he's a big cog in that. And goaltending is what I think is probably going to decide this series. Can Connor Hellbuck be the player that he was last season? And I like you know we talked about Martin Jones and and if he can find his form from two years ago or last season. I'm not a big believer in flipping the switch at playoff time. I think you are who you are when you're in the middle of a campaign. I think if you get to the off season and you work on things and whatever and, and fundamentals and drills and strength and whatever, then you can come back in the next season and maybe reinvent yourself or get back what you once had. But I think in the middle of a campaign going from regular season to the playoffs, you might up your game a little bit, but I think by and large you are who you are. And on the other side, you have the young rookie phenom, um, in that, and I don't like going into the playoffs with rookie goaltenders. Um, Calgary has a goaltending issue as well. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, th- this is one of the tougher series for me. I, I guess I see why the books left co-favorites in this series with an edge to the Blues. The Blues have been the hottest team in the National Hockey League since January 1st. And... Look, a lot of people are picking Winnipeg to go to the Stanley Cup final out of the West, and I see what they're doing. But they're going to have to get past the Blues. I think this is a seven-game series. And I, I, I could almost flip a coin. But I'm going to say that the, the just a little bit more experience in net for Connor Hellbuck suits the Winnipeg Jets well. If if the word on the street and Morrissey is going to be back healthy and they have a, and I mean we know Big Buff came back, um, the, those two pieces I, are are big for the Winnipeg Jets. So that, you know it's their whole identity basically, and I, I'm going to give the Jets in seven the nod, and and it's just almost a coin flip for me. Uh, I I could pick St. Louis. They're my dark horse in the entire thing. It, if, I mean, if a puck bounces the right way, you could see St. Louis in the Western Conference Final. I think they're just as good as 
as as Nashville or Winnipeg, and, and we think Nashville is probably coming out of that series with Dallas. Um, uh, St. Louis, a great road record this year, so I don't think the home ice matters too much in that. And, and it, I mean, if if the puck bounces the right way, you could see St. Louis in the Western Conference Final pretty easily. But I, I just think that there's a little more playoff experience with Winnipeg and a little bit more experience in that. Hellbuck's going to have to play a little bit better than he has, but I'm going to take Jets in seven. Yeah, I think a big theme for Winnipeg's season this year is they they were a little too sloppy overall as a team defensively, and Hellbuck, which obviously affects the goaltending, uh, but also sure. Hellbuck uh, needs to play better. Their goaltending needs to play better as well. I mean, when you look at this roster and Winnipeg was – you know, middle of the pack in terms of goals allowed and bottom third in terms of killing penalties, uh, you know, that, that raises some eyebrows. But they they were very explosive this year, uh, you know, seventh in offense, fourth in the power play. St. Louis is kind of like a better version of Carolina from the standpoint of middle of the pack offense, fifth in the league in terms of goals allowed, um, strong special teams, tenth, tenth, top, top third for both power play and PK. You know, obviously – uh, the unknown is the kid, the storybook story of, uh, of of Binghamton and the year he had. Now he's entering the playoffs against a very explosive team. Can he keep that ride going? The St. Louis have enough scoring. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly had a, a, just an unbelievable year for them. Uh, what a terrific add. David Perron, um, you know, he's contributed when healthy. Can they, you know, ter- you know, Tarasenko, can they get enough scoring uh, in a long series? I think Winnipeg's talent will get them through the day, and I, I think it's a seven-gamer as well. But I like Winnipeg. I think that's going to be uh, one of the best series in the first round, actually. I really do. I think, I think St. Louis, there's enough – left on, on the, in the core group of that roster that's that you know been to the playoffs a few more times than uh what winnipeg has been and that experience is going to get them through you know some adversity in the series and i think they're going to push winnipeg uh, as far as they can <clears throat> and, and and trust me it won't surprise me at all if, if st louis wins that game seven like you said anything can happen in game seven and and it, it it could go it could go either way. This is probably the hardest series for me to pick. Um, let's stay in the West, and and we'll do uh, Colorado Calgary. I think I want to save that 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 team out on Long Island for last. Um, <laughs> Flames minus one eighty five, which is <laughs> is uh, that's a heavy price when you and Avalanche minus one fifteen, which again. Um, I don't get that line at all. If you're going to make the Flames a heavy enough favor to be minus 185, at least give someone who wants to back the Avalanche a plus 110 or a plus 115. But then, no, Avalanche minus 115. And, and think about that. That means Calgary is 20 cents more on the dollar than Boston is over Toronto. And yet Toronto gets a plus 145 and Colorado gets a minus 115. So, um, a lot of times I don't get this money line that they do, or I understand the, the the mechanics of it, but where they get the lines from, I don't know. So Calgary, Colorado, um, here's my upset of the first round. I think Colorado gets Calgary. 
um, call it six, call it seven. Um, uh, you know, sir, that I'm not a big believer in Mike Smith. He's played 11 more games than, than Riddick and has three or four fewer wins. And I think the, the, the start of the series is going to go to Smith because of playoff experience and you don't want to put a a rookie goalie in there with St. Louis. I totally get why you play the rookie goaltender uh, because, and I, you know what? It would surprise me if they put Jake Allen in that to start it off and give the kid a little bit of a, a a lay of the land sort of thing. But if, if you get behind early in that Winnipeg series, it'll be hard to get out from under it. And you don't know what you're going to get with Jake Allen. He could be a stud or, or he could be, he could whiff. So um, I see I see Calgary going with Smith to start the series, and I'm not a um, he's easily rattled. If things don't go his way, and I've said this on the show before, and I've seen it in the playoffs before, um, and then you're going to have to go to the rookie goaltender if Colorado can steal game one or two, and and let's say they they get game two and it, it starts to get out of hand then you have to rely on the rookie goaltender to get you through a first round series. And I think, you know, the question for Colorado is where's the rest of the offense going to come from? Landis Scott came back in the last couple of weeks of the season. He looks pretty good. Um, I don't know if one line, two lines maybe is going to be able to score and keep up with the offensive you know, I'm not going to say juggernaut, but the offensive talent that Calgary can bring and does bring. I know they're the Western Conference number one overall. It's just it comes down to goaltending, and and Grubauer. He he's you know as a backup, he's been through the playoffs for Lomoff. If if they have to go to him, there's a lot of experience on on in the net with Colorado that Calgary either doesn't have or the experiences aren't all good with, with Mr. Smith. So this series came down to me with goaltending and, you know, you know, when I use the term unsettled, Chris, (laughs) when you're unsettled in goal, it's not a good thing to be going into the playoffs that way. And if I have to pick an upset in the first round here, it's going to be the Colorado Avalanche and I'll say six games. Yeah, I mean, look, Calgary, they're, you know, their goaltending people are going to have as a as a question mark. I mean, they had a terrific regular season, third best offense, ninth, ninth best defense. So yeah, all due respect. Did what they had to did what they had to do in the in the regular season, but obviously this is not the regular season. Um, you know, uh, the thing about Calgary is, as explosive as they were, of, of the vast majority of their offense, you know, came from, uh, you know, Goudreau, Monaghan, Lindholm, Tuchuk, and Giordano. So when you look at those five guys, after that is a bit of a drop-off in terms of getting scoring from elsewhere. Uh, Phil Phil Grubauer, who did start the first two games in the, in the playoffs last year for the Capitals, although they were both losses, didn't played a little yeah. uneasy, but he played really strong down the stretch for Colorado. Yeah, that's and getting yeah. 
and getting them into the playoffs. Those were playoff games for Colorado down the stretch. This is a big key for me of this series. If Colorado is going to win this series, because um, you've you got to figure that Calgary is going to put their shutdown people on the Rattenman, Landis Cog, McKinnon line and try to can limit uh, how many goals that they can score and say, okay, you're going to have to beat us with the, you know, with the rest of your roster. The big key for me is, uh, you know, Calgary's special, te- special teams, was, as great of, of their record was and as good of their uh, numbers are, both offensively in terms of goals scored and goals allowed, their special teams numbers are not so hot. And they had the 21st uh, ranked PK, and Colorado had the seventh best power play. So obviously, with the man advantage, you're going to load up on the McKinnons and the Rattanins and the Landis Cogs if you will, and you have the man advantage. So that's where Colorado really has to, you know, uh, and, you know, cash their chips in, if you will, um, in this series if they're going to win it. Um, I think I think this is uh, I think Colorado's a live dog, but I think Calgary will find a way in the end, and I'm going to say Calgary is seven. There will be if Ian Cole. And and Nikita Zadorov can throw a little weight around, and, and you know, I'm not going to say impose their will, but be 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 physical enough when when they're at home and have the matchups to rattle the the five the four three or four of the guys that you were talking about. Get them looking over their shoulders going into the corner. I think that's going to be a big and and Kachuk will obviously answer. We've seen Kachuk sometimes um, get get outside of himself, if you will. Uh, we, we've seen him at times lose discipline. And if they can rattle him and get him into taking penalties, then I think that'll be a, a big key to the series. If the, if the the defensive defenseman for Colorado. And, and we're looking at six five two thirty six one two twenty, some big boys. Um, Graves six five two twenty six. If if they can rattle that that group and and have them take retaliatory penalties or or work their way into the penalty box, like you like you said that that power play is ridiculous. They that you know that that top line, the Landeskog line. You, Let's say top five in the league, I would say. Yeah. I think Boston and then Tampa. And you got to look pretty hard to find a, a first line better than them once you get out of Boston and, and Tampa. Um, I'd give them the edge slight over uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Golden Knights probably a top seven. Well, you have to get first, to the Calgary first line. line. Yeah, I, well, if, 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 yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna still lean towards Colorado on that first line. I think they can be dominant, and I'm, I'm saying Colorado in seven. That's my first round upset. So we've got one series left, sir. You want to uh, give me your thoughts on on Islanders Pittsburgh? Sure. I think the series comes down to two things. When the Islanders have gotten just enough scoring this year, it has almost always led to a win. When the uh, when uh, the Islanders have scored three goals or more this year in the, in the regular season, 
They were 38-2-2. That's not bad. That's not bad. Conversely, I'll give you a stat, as as impressive of a stat that is, I'll give you a stat that is impressively a scary the other way for the Islanders. And that is this year is when the the Islanders this year either were shut out or scored one goal in an 82-game regular season 21 times. That is 25% of the year. The fact that that happened That's and, they, not they good. Had, and they had 103 points. So, again, you know, the Islanders' formula is play excellent team defense. Four, they roll four lines, play excellent team defense, all five men on the ice, and get real strong goaltending. So, when they score enough, it, it results in a win. So that's that's the, the, the key. First key is can the Islanders score enough? The second key is in terms of Pittsburgh uh, is they need to one one two a is limit the power play opportunities that Pittsburgh gets, who has the fifth best power play in the league, and b when they do get their opportunities, they're going to score power play goals in this series. Obviously, Pittsburgh, but limit. That contain the 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 percentage for the Penguins. You can't be giving Pittsburgh four or five power plays a game. You know it's got that number needs to be two or less on a given night. So those to me are the two keys. The Islanders were able to secure home ice. Um, look, this is where this is. Take this pick with a grain of salt. This is my heart speaking, but I really do would say this. If Game Seven was in Pittsburgh. I would, if you, you with a gun to my head, I would, I would take Pittsburgh, but because Game Seven isn't at the Coliseum, and I think the series will go seven, um, I think with that electric crowd in that, you know, arena where it literally is on top of you, um, I think the Islanders will. I think this, I think this Cinderella story, the biggest surprise of the year, I think there's another. This is not going to be the last chapter of the book this season. So I, I'm going to say Islanders in seven. You know, the Penguins, they're only minus 140 in the series. And if you do like the Islanders, you can get them at a plus 120. Um, you know, Boston 165 over Toronto, Washington, even minus 145 over Carolina lightning minus 380. Calgary minus one eighty five, Predators minus one eighty five, and then the Jets Blues Sharks Knights series, and I don't like those lines anyway. Um the books kind of seeing kind of what you're seeing to make Penguins, you know, Crosby, Malkin at all, um only a minus one forty favorite in this series. I think there's also value to be had on the Islanders. One thing I wanted to ask you, um traditionally the Islanders do have trouble with Pittsburgh, correct? Um, well, this year, as an example, now keep in mind, the Islanders haven't played Pittsburgh since, since I think, December 1st. They actually okay. played Pittsburgh uh, four times, I think, in six weeks between the end of October and December 1st. So it's just a quirk in the schedule. Uh, both teams went 2-1-1. One, and one. So, uh, you know, um, both teams won uh, a game in overtime or a shootout. Both teams won a game. Um, Regulation yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. So they – and if you look at the numbers, uh, uh, it, they're all very, very close in terms of scores and goals allowed and all that stuff. So this year 
it has been uh, pretty much down the middle. And I wouldn't compare, you know, the Islanders under Barry Trotz are a completely different team than they were even a For couple sure. of years ago when they made the playoffs under Jack Capuano. Ten. So I would, I, I wouldn't look at, yeah, I wouldn't look at them as. Uh, as a comparison for that. So I, I think I think this is going to be a real tight, tough series, to say the least. A tight series, a long series. Yeah, I, I agree, and it, it's a great, great first step for the Islanders in the new regime with the general manager and coaching. Oh, hey, you know, everyone, and I don't blame them, I mean, but everywhere you go back and look at ESPN, TSN, whatever prognostications you want to look at, uh, the hockey news. Um, everyone had the Islanders as a bottom five team. Everyone had the Islanders' only important night for the season being tonight of the NHL lottery, and that the Islanders <laughs> would have a chance at, you know, in, in, for the ping pong bowls. That would be the only drama that the Islanders would have this year. Um, so uh, they they are they this season that they've had is probably been one of the bigger surprises in the NHL and. Uh, probably other than the Golden Knights last year from the standpoint yeah. of being a quote expansion team. Although they, you know, they had talent and all that, but it, it, it's been, it, it, it's been a very big surprise. Yeah. And you might say, um, is this who the Islanders are? Have they gone over their head and we'll see regression next season? I, that's a question for farther down the line. I'd really like to go with the Islanders on this. I just think that, the this is a series that maybe gets decided with with experience, and I can see that. It's, well, it's hard to pick against Crosby and Falcon. And, you, you know, you know Matt Murray in that is a Stanley Cup goaltender. The Islanders yep. have a have a one A and one B who've done a fantastic job this year. Um, they've they've bought into the structure there. I love the the quotes. When when they were still, you know, hey, the Isles are first place in the Metro. Shout out to Jillian Anderson. Um, the the quotes coming out of the locker room when they were, I want to say, in the seventy to eighty five point gap in the season, when they said, "What's what's what's going on? What's gonna what's gonna happen here? Why why is this team doing so well?" And the quote saying that everybody's treated equal now. And you got those kinds of comments coming out of the locker room. Um, it tells me something about the group and 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 where where they are mindset wise. And I think this will be a lot closer series than than a lot of people might think on paper. But I just think that the Penguins experience and it'll be look, it'll be great experience for Barca at all the young guys. Um and they have a great pipeline of young talent coming forward great draft last season and and the future is bright in new york but i think the penguins may have to win game seven out of this but i think they will yeah like i said it's very hard to pick against Sidney crosby well chris uh, and, i got a, and, i got a, and he's been... i got a caller on the line let's take a quick phone call caller are you there yes sir i am uh, this is uh, Lou from New Jersey, and uh, well, and I'm ready. For, I'm ready for the uh, NHL playoffs, even though, despite the fact that my team was not in again. Well, that right. Would be the, that would be the Rangers. Yeah, the Rangers are not in, but the Islanders are in. 
Yep. I are you jumping bandwagon? Is that acceptable Never. in New York? You rooting for the Islanders in Never. the first round here? Never. Never. Never be an Islander fan. Ten four. Ten I remember four. the days of the Rangers Islanders uh, rivalry, of course, especially when we lost in eighty. But at least we got our revenge back in ninety four. For sure, for sure. I remember that series very well. Yeah. I got a friend who lives up yeah. in Vancouver, and we were uh, we were mailing regular snail mail. Uh, like I would send him the front page of the LA Times. I was in LA at the time when the Van- when Vancouver would win, and he would send me the the Vancouver Gazette or whatever the name of the newspaper is in Vancouver when the Rangers were when I followed that series very closely at the time. One of the better series, maybe in the nineties. Um, yeah, fantastic hockey, fantastic hockey, both sides. And I talked to, ah, I forget the guy's name, um, played for the, played for Vancouver and he's the, the golden Knights president of, of whatever they made him president of helped design the locker rooms and everything right, else. Yeah. Um, Murray Craven, well, nice thank you, this year anyway. Craven, um, he, he said oh, all they yeah. did was run out of time. That's how close that series was. So what was your question, sir? What do you think uh, their chances this year? I mean, you know, I don't think you can repeat, you know, the storybook season they had last year, you know, from being a first-season uh, team to going all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. What are the chances of them uh, trying to repeat the same um, phenomenon they had last year? I think I think they drew very well in getting the Sharks in the first round for two reasons. Number one, because I don't think Martin Jones is is on his game this season. And if you were listening to the show earlier, I'm not a big believer in goaltenders flipping the switch come playoff times, and no. and be all of a sudden reverting to a uh, earlier form, if you will. And it, if you go back in their history, the Golden Knights have played the Sharks. I believe the number is 12 times, and the Golden Knights have run yes. Martin Jones out of net four times, and, and that includes twice in the playoffs last year. Both teams struggled down the stretch. I think more mm-hmm. so the Golden Knights was because Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't in net, and he was having a, a newborn son. Congratulations to the Fleury family. And he needed rest. Yes. He was used a lot earlier in the season. But I think he comes in fresh, and Coach Gallant was resting a lot of players and tinkering with his third line and fourth line a little bit, just maybe seeing what matchups he'd be able to use in the postseason. But I think the struggles down the stretch were – for the Sharks were more um, more critical, if you will, more telling of who they might be come the playoffs. But I think they're fortunate to draw the Sharks in the first round. Um, depending, I think they beat Calgary. If, if Calgary gets past yes. Colorado, and Colorado's my upset pick in the, in the West in the first round, I think that the um, – I think the goaltending in Calgary is suspect, and I think Marc-Andre Fleury would carry that series. So then it would come down to the Golden Knights and who they would match up against in the Western Conference Finals. So I think I think it's a very real possibility Vegas goes to the Western Conference Finals this year. And then we see what happens. All right. So almost as good as last year, but not quite. And, and still, it's, uh, it, you know, Stranger things have happened once you're in the Western Conference Final. Um, I'm not picking against them at that point. I want to see who the matchup is, um, and we'll go from there. But definitely I think they, they have everything it takes. They have a good two-way second line that has offensive punch. The first line is the first line. 
fourth line might be the best fourth line in hockey. They're eighth in the league in goals allowed, I believe. So the defense is there. And with a fresh and rested Marc-Andre Fleury, I think the Golden Knights are loaded for bear and ready to rock and roll. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, the Pittsburgh um, out of your series, hmm, I can't tell who I hate more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? There's a lot of people that that are gonna gonna feel the same way. Well, look, we're out of time. We appreciate you calling oh, back, and we're gonna have, we're gonna have another show next Saturday at eleven o'clock. Um, we'll be looking at the week that was and how the playoffs are going so far. Is that a.m. or p.m.? Uh, uh, it's eleven a.m. Pacific time, so two o'clock East Coast time, a.m. or p.m. your That's time. Me. Two o'clock my time. All right, thank you. Yes, sir. So give us a call back. Thank you, sir. For the call. All right, good call, good call. All right, so I uh, just want to uh, wrap up the show with two quickies. Yep. we got the NHL lot- lottery tonight and two quick points. One, no one can feel good about their chances landing in, landing either the – not alone, let alone the lo- number one pick, but uh, so getting a lottery pick in the top three. I mean, uh, Colorado has the pick via Ottawa, best chance for the number one overall pick, and 18.5%. The second thing is, it is if you, it is a huge. I started to do some work here on the draft, as we will have our annual great draft show in the middle of June. And yes, we're bringing back Mark Scheich and Dan Harrigan, uh and to play GM along myself and Mark as master of ceremonies. Uh, nice. There's a huge difference between having the second pick after the picks one and two draw a line because. The big difference between after using Keiko and then the next couple of players. So, uh, to me, getting the fourth overall pick or the third overall pick is about the same, but one and two is a whole different deal. So, something to keep an eye out uh, in terms of tonight. Let me get a prediction from you. How's it go? Do you think Colorado gets oh, Ottawa's pick in the number uh, one? Uh, I I have no idea. The odds are just like I said, so bad for everybody. Uh, yeah. I'm rooting for your Kings to get one of those two spots. I am. I too, mean, here, here's obviously. the case in point: <laughs> the Kings, who are the sec- second lowest amount of points, only have a little under 39 percent chance of having a top three pick. So, I mean, that's you can't you know you can't feel great. And, and like I said, you, you know, to me, you want to be, you want to be in that top two. So um, that's that's the key. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, I'll be happy as long as the Rangers aren't in the top two. If uh, I'll even say this, if the Kings draw in three through six, which I think they still can, I think they can go no lower than six. I believe if I mean if if everything goes wrong, that's what happened to the Knights. Um, they were given the third overall ping pong ball last year, right. and, and they ended up sixth. So right. um, conspiracy theorists that say the Knights were gifted a club, let's settle down. Um, if the Kings do that, I could see them trading down out of that spot and trying to get a few more picks later in the draft because they have, let's face it, they got a lot of work to do. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and it, when you get past – like you said, one two is where you need to be in this draft for a franchise player. When you get past three, four, five, oh, there's still good players. There's, there's still good players there. I'm not trying to. Everyone yeah, should be excited yeah, yeah. if their yeah, team is sure. uh, 
but, but I'm but saying franchise. Those two, I'm saying franchise. Those two guys seem like can't miss yeah. difference maker franchise players. That's that's right. the point. There still could be another guy in the top ten. Uh, it only takes one GM. franchise player. Yeah. Right. No. It only it, takes one very, GM to like you. Right. So I, I'm not. Uh, I I think people should feel uh, very good about those other prospects. I'm not saying they're a bunch of ragamuffins. No, no. Uh, but there all. is definitely a huge difference. Uh, between Hughes and Keiko. Huge in Hughes yeah. and Keiko. Huge. And finally, uh, <laughs> we, uh, last point on the Panthers. A little bit of news. To me, yeah, to me, I t- I've been, we've been talking about this thing kind of off air that yep. they were going to have a hell, have no fury off season, and they didn't That's waste a good any way time. To put it. Absolutely. And then they, they went out, they got the big coach. At a at a big contract, and they're just there are not going to be denied, if you will. And to me, this is step one. Step two yeah. will be on July one when they sign Panarin and Bobrovsky. I'm not saying that these are the right moves. It's hard to argue having Joel Quinville as your coach, but uh, to me, the Florida Panthers. If you say, okay, there's a lot to do. What what is one thing we don't you know you don't have to worry about? Well, they're top six forwards, specifically in terms of scoring, they're set. So to add a Panarin, like who wouldn't want to add Panarin? He'll make anyone better. But does that make a lot of sense given what I just said? But having said that, I think plan plan B is going to be July 1st, signing Bobrovsky and Panarin to, to long-term deals. And then, uh, and then part three will be trading Mike Hoffman for a defenseman. And then they're going to have to do some machinations. They're going to sign both Bobrovsky and Panarin with the cap, uh, you know, in terms of getting under the cap. So that might mean, does Roberto Luongo retire? I I, I don't know the exact how that works out from a cap standpoint. I think they get a hit. Vancouver gets a hit. I'm not sure how the numbers break out. Do they buy out James Remar? Do they try – is there a player or two – that they try to move like they did with Bukesat at the deadline where they moved, uh, freed up cap space and added a, a draft pick and a prospect kind of thing. So, but uh, I think uh, at the end of the day, Quinville was step one. Absolutely. And a great, you know, UNLV basketball just went through a coaching search at the end of the season, letting Marvin Menzies go after uh uninspired tenure here with the UNLV rebels. And there was a lot of talk, a lot of rumors, that Yada, Rick Pitino, you know, who is going to come. And they got T.J. Otzenberger from Iowa State. Now, I don't know anything about him. He could be the next, you know, sliced bread. He could be the new round wheel that no one's seen on the card before. But, it, you know, if people are throwing around George Carl and Rick Pitino and, and T.J. Otzenberger is who you get, there's going to be no name recognition, whatever. Well, the Florida Panthers just got Rick Pitino in to use the analogy they got i think the best coach on the market um third third most career wins stanley cup pedigree you instantly and, and you know when you bring in some of the other coaches that they've had down there um there there you know i don't know what's going on i've said this on the air a few times that there was an it factor that was missing from that club and that squad and they underperformed that's not going to happen under coach quinville um, you instantly respect that guy when he walks in the room with a Stanley Cup pedigree, and 
you're going to buy in in much the same way the Islanders bought into Barry Trotz. You could make the argument that um, there's more skill and talent on the Florida Panthers than there is in the New York Islanders uh, dressing room. And we've seen what a full buy-in and a coaching change can do for a group with the New York Islanders this year. You don't have to look any farther than that. I think it's a great hire for Florida if Dale Talon is planning on on turning the page on what's been, let's face it, a pretty pretty bare 20, 22 years in the franchise. Um, you could not have done better. And Dale Talon's quote yesterday, this is the proudest I have ever been to be a Florida Panther is right now. The man to my left is a champion, and he's a champion of champions. So when your GM is bought in, and your head coach is the champion of champions, um, then you, you step one check mark, uh, much the same way Barry Trotz was check mark. Um, so I'm I'm all in on the coach Q hire. I don't think there's going to be any respect issues in the locker room, and I think it's time to put up or shut up if you're a player on the Florida Panthers because there are no more excuses. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's boom, well said. <laughs> boom. How about that? <laughs> I've been well frustrated said. with that franchise, Chris. You know, I I love watching them play, but they just don't have that it that comp- competitive something. They they have all the talent in the world. There's no they have a pretty solid defense. Goaltending's been hit and miss, but there's no reason that should not be a playoff team. And I'll tell you right now, I think that that. If they do well in floor in free agency, Florida's going to be a team to worry about next season, much the same way Islanders were this year. So that's that's going to do it for us. We went longer than we thought we were going to do. Thanks to the caller who called in. We appreciate that. Do it more often. Um, great call, by the way. Thank thank you for doing it. And what do we have on tap next week? On Saturday, we will have the great Russ Cohen. So he'll. He'll he'll break down uh, for, for you know a few minutes on, in terms of the draft and give a little bit more detail uh, in terms of Hughes and Katko and and the next tier of guys and uh, so definitely uh, you know and then also we'll know the lottery with the results of the lottery so that will be great as well so uh, and we'll look back and and see where these playoff series are and see if any of our any of our predictions are, are coming through or not. I think we all were, did we're on the same page on seven out of the eight series. The only one we differ, uh, well, six out of no, eight. No, we differ on two. Yeah. You got aisles. I got pens and then Colorado Calgary. Uh, we went opposite ways on that. So we'll see next week where all these picks land. Very good. Thank, thank, thank you guys for listening to the Vegas talkie podcast for Chris on Mark and we're gone. Thank you.